the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height. Going to fill in here this first segment for Mr. Ed Martin. Glad to be with you. Glad to be back uh, today to share a couple of things and uh, also to take part in some great interviews. So uh, let me remind you, first and foremost, before we get even too far, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. That is where you can find the standalone segments, the podcast, this segment after the fact and all of the others plus all of the links the resources the books anything we've gotten from one of our amazing guests anything that ed has needed to share or impart will be over there at proamericareport.com also there is where you can sign up for our email list you'll get the what you need to know the wink email every morning to your inbox 7 a.m. Central Time, uh, all the other time zones adjusted. Go over to ProAmericaReport.com. But uh, we got a great show uh, coming up today and uh, some important things to cover, some very uh, timely topics, I think, and also a couple of really good guests we're going to hear from uh, today, Mr. Evan Neiman and also Mr. Mike Davis. Uh, Evan Neiman and Mike Davis have got some uh, very important things, cancel culture, uh, and also a good discussion about uh, our Justice Department run amok. Uh, Mike is always... Uh, uh, very good to talk about um, uh, give a background knowledge on things and kind of give you some behind the scenes looks uh, and then of course Evan Neerman's new book The Cancel Culture Curse uh, really really neat we're going to dive into that but uh, before we do before we get to all of those things after you've gone to ProAmericaReport.com you can go uh, check out their books uh, don't uh, don't tune away right now though but here's what we're going to do we need to start it off with what you need to know the wink what you need to know and I tell you what um I'll take a, a moment to shamelessly self-promote. We talked a little bit about this today on uh, my uh, live stream program that runs. I, I co-host it now with Mr. Mason Mohan here at the Phyllis Schlafly Center in St. Louis. And we had a really interesting discussion today, but pulling out of that every Thursday at noon, you can go to phyllisschlafly.com. You'll find the live streams from it. You can also uh, find your way to our you know YouTube and Rumble. But we had a fascinating discussion today that I want to pull out a theme and let you know about this because I think it's incredibly important. It's an understanding that we have now, a moment that we have to seize in America. And I think it's something that uh, each of us, you and I, conservatives and people of uh, a freedom, a liberty-minded nature, need to take advantage of and understand the moment that we're in. So here, here it is. Here's what you need to know. The woke tide is turning. Let me say that again, and then I'll explain what I mean. The woke tide is turning. And I think that we are seeing evidence of that from the Bud Light boycotts, success, uh, Target and several other companies taking a hit uh, all the way to the pushback that we've seen. And I know we're going to hear probably uh, from John Schlafly yet this week on the Schlafly report. Uh, they wrote about this, but there are states and many government agencies that are having a lot of pushback successfully against uh, these uh, trans uh, gender surgeries and permanent alterations chemically and surgically uh, of minors. There is an incredible amount of pushback. So we have entered a moment 
and and this is part of the discussion. If you, if you want to see a longer form version of this and see some back and forth and hear from some of the folks chiming into the live stream, head on over there to the to the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles YouTube or Rumble. You'll find the longer form version of this. But the left, the radical left in America, has just gone too far. Or maybe they've just been going too far too long and have beleaguered the patience of uh, politically correct Americans. But there is a tide that is turning right now and successfully against the permeation of wokeness through our culture. And I know this is a, we often get this as term, you know, the left will say, well, what do you mean by woke? You're just creating and throwing around derogatory terms. No, this, this radical notion of, you know, fill in the blank of all these different things, whether it's um, critical theory, critical race theory being the one we hear about, but this critical theory, all the institutions need to be burned down and replaced. They're all broken. Whether it's identity politics, you, we, we don't look at the content of your character, as Martin Luther King said. We're looking at the color of your skin. We're obviously um, assuming your ideas and beliefs and culture purely based on the, uh, you know, the color of your skin. That's a patently un-American principle, and yet it has become one of the hard Marks of the radical left of this what we call woke agenda. And again, this is, you know, let's brief reminder on the history of this phrase. The left actually started using it first to describe themselves. It was a positive thing. It has since become such a big negative term um, for most people. Thank you, you know, to the right wing for actually turning that one around because. You know, we're the ones who are actually awakened. We're looking at the world as it really is, understanding objective truth, uh, truth and reality that exists outside of ourselves, not this moral relativism where we get to decide whatever it is. We have to obey the rules of nature and biology and science and, it, it, you know, try as you may, these things don't change. Even if you try to deny them at a certain point, it doesn't work. Um but you go down the line, identity politics, critical theory, um, the extreme, you know, political correctness, uh, all, all of the different facets of this woke culture, this wokeness, this agenda that's been pushed on us from the radical left, which make no mistake, uh, they don't care about minorities. They don't care about uh, racism. They don't care about any of these actual humanitarian issues. What they care about is the accumulation of power uh, to themselves, the accumulation of finance to themselves. Go and look at the leaders and you'll find a disingenuous uh, money grub uh, behind each one of these things. I guarantee it. You run down the line. Um, that's what happens. So when you run down this, this has permeated throughout big business, throughout big media, throughout big tech, the diversity, equity and inclusion agenda throughout all of the different facets of our society. But it seems that Americans have finally had enough. There is a major pushback going on from legislatures, from courts, from public opinion, from uh, consumers and the choices that they make with what they're watching and what they're buying, the brands that they're participating in uh, or buying into. There is pushback happening. And after what feels like years of losing ground to this woke agenda... The tide is finally turning. So exactly what has happened, if they've pushed too long or too far, is almost not as relevant as the fact that we need to seize this opportunity. And I want to talk about that at the at the end of the show, actually. We're going to come back and wrap that up just a little bit. But um, this is an incredibly important uh, time that we need to recognize and see what's happening and realize that people are ready to 
uh, obey the the laws and the rules of, of common sense and of logic again. And also, I think people are starting to realize that this is not where uh, even uh, the good um, emotional arguments lie. None of it makes sense. It doesn't actually work. For instance, one of the things, and, and this is something not only are we seeing this across the board, but a lot of us have been seeing this in our own personal interactions. Let me give you one, uh, one idea here. I know a, a lot of folks uh, who were are as I would describe, and again, here's a little one little caveat. I've been trying not to use the word liberal. That whole you know, old conservatives and liberals. No, no, no. N- none of this radical leftist woke agenda is liberal. I'm a liberal. I'm a classical liberal. I believe in liberty. That's where it came from. Uh, these people aren't liberals. As we look across uh, the field of this, we realize that kind of the mushy in the middle folks they've got some uh, inclinations of maybe some of the social issues they're a little bit more left-leaning a little bit more uh, l- what we would say liberal uh, and then fiscal issues they're a little bit more conservative um, some of the folks out there who have generally gone along with some of these things they've gone down this road a lot of them are starting to dig their heels in and say nope nope not going there that's a solid no for me this transgender stuff is over the line uh, we've seen uh, 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 figure after figure um, several uh, uh, major feminist figures of the left who were in women's sports um, I forget the the, the one uh, name there was a very famous um, lesbian tennis player who came out and has been um, very critical of the transgender movement and of uh, transgender uh, individuals participating in sports that that don't match up with their biological sex uh, and she has been canceled JK Rowling uh, the uh, author uh, questioned the transgender thing she's been canceled there are a lot of folks who really are kind of on the left-leaning scale who are getting canceled left and right because they're digging in and saying hold on hold on hold on we're starting to realize that there's an opportunity to speak to people here the the um, affirmative action case at the supreme court that's one of the examples i wanted to give Uh, the left decried that and guess what the only argument they could make is, well, we have to have this because black people can't make it anywhere without this. Are you kidding me? You're saying that out loud? How racist is that? I think people are seeing through it. There is a tide that is turning. It's important. It's a moment that we need to seize in speaking the truth. And that is something that I think is happening. So that's that's what you need to know. What you need to know is the tide is turning on wokeism. And it is time for us to recognize that in America, to seize it and speak the truth, and to understand the moment that we're in. The left has just pushed too far for too long, and they are losing the majority of Americans that know that this stuff is just crazy. It doesn't make sense. It's not right. It's not natural. And it's time to turn the tide in America. So that's what you need to know. The woke tide is turning, and we need to seize it. So... Uh, come on back. We're going to have a couple of great interviews. In fact, we're going to talk about this quite a bit here also with Evan Neerman's book. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of it uh, throughout the halls of Congress and the legislature and, and the executive branch with Mike Davis. Don't want to miss those interviews. Come on right back here to the Pro-America Report. We will talk to you right after the break. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Mike Davis, it's time to catch up with Mike Davis and get filled in on exactly what's happening. You know, uh, Mike Davis, of course, is, uh, well, he's, uh, I don't know if he's famous for a lot of things, but he used to be well-known because he was somebody who had uh, been at the highest levels operating to help uh, get judges appointed and help Senator Chuck Grassley. Now he's also out there as one of the leading voices, uh, I would say, kind of a a, a legal comment 
commentator, especially through Twitter, on what's going on. And he does that because of, as a lawyer, he's uh, clerked, clerked at the highest levels, worked in uh, um, in all the uh, big time places as well as private practice. His Twitter feed is insane. It's uh, at MRDDMIA. Uh, we'll talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. Mike Davis, welcome back. Uh, he's the head of the Article 3 Project at Article 3, the number project on Twitter, Article 3 uh, Project.com. Um, Mike, I saw a tweet you had about this motion that President Trump, uh, President Trump asked uh, his lawyers asked that the trials be delayed till after the election. So like a year and a half from now, just as a matter of forget about president, because I think that's the reason it's necessary to have the conversation. But just normal people don't normal cases often drag out like a year. I mean, it's not that uncommon, is it? It's very common for these cases to drag out. Look what look what they're doing with the January six cases. Right, um, right, exactly. Years ago. And I would say this: if you look at other classified proceedings cases, and President Trump cites this in his motion, they last, uh, they take a lot longer than six months or whatever the short time frame that Biden wants to have in order to try to throw his political prison, uh, political enemy in prison for the rest of his life instead of facing him in the November 2024 presidential election. So that and now we're back to now a question of sort of how things work in our legal system and not not necessarily how they should work, but how they do work. Um, He files that motion. Can this judge say, you know what, that makes sense. Let's set the trial date January 2025. And then if, if she does that, is that appealable? You know, I don't know if that's immediately appealable or not, Ed. I'd have to look at that. I know that the standard that the Trump lawyers cite in the motion is abuse of discretion for the trial court, which is a very hard standard to over. Uh, it's a very it would be a very tough decision for the Biden Justice Department to overturn on appeal. And as the motion lays out, it's not even realistic that the government can have this trial in the next six months. You have to get security clearances for these attorneys to look at these documents. The Biden Justice Department are claiming uh, are claiming as classified. You have to do all the discovery. They're not even done uh, with the discovery. And they've turned over a million pages of documents that they expect tr- uh, Trump and his attorneys to get through. And they still need to get through the documents that are marked classified. And so you need security clearances for that. There's just not there is no way. And and. There is there is no scenario in which you can get this trial done in the next six months and, and have a fair trial and a complete trial. And the, the Biden Justice Department knows this. I think what they could be trying to do is they set up these uh, they set up these orders by Judge Cannon so they can they can have their left wing allies bash Judge Cannon and say that she's a Trump toady and she's just trying to help Trump when, in fact, She's trying to protect criminal defendants, which is what a judge's job is to do during these criminal proceedings. I we're talking again, Mike Davis and uh, on Twitter, Mike Davis's uh, Twitter feed is uh, very active and I, I'll retweet him now and then put up there. But so, Mike, um, what is the timeline basically on this? So this they file this uh, the the the, uh, the Trump uh, defense lawyers file this. Um, there'll be a reply. Um, the judge will rule. And then and then and could the judge split the baby? Is that what she says? You know what? Let's just. But how would she set a trial? Can you imagine what would what would it be like if there was a trial in July of next year? I mean, how how practically could it work? 
And that's the problem. And that's the, the that's the, the I mean, look, you had this same court, the Southern District of Florida move other trials. They they moved a trial date because it was unfair to the Panamanian dictator, right? Noriega. So if you could move a trial to make it fair for the Panamanian dictator, you can move a trial to make it fair for the president of the United States and a, and a potential future president of the United States. It's no skin off the government's back to move this trial beyond the election. They waited, what was it, 18 months before yeah. they got these, they, they went to their biased magistrate judge and got this unnecessary, unprecedented, unlawful raid warrant on President Trump for for presidential records he's allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act. They waited 10 months after that before Garland had Jack Smith bring his bogus charges. So if they can wait 28 months to bring charges against Trump for these trumped up bogus charges, I don't understand how they're arguing that there's going to be some harm to our national security with delay here. That's just a nonsensical argument. Uh, Mike Davis is our guest. He's the founder and the head of the Article 3 Project, uh, article3project.org. Uh, um, and um, Mike, is the, um, uh, the there was a news as as I was preparing to talk with you, I saw um, the uh, well, leaks again from somebody in Georgia that the a grand jury, a state level grand jury in Fulton County was meeting and the prosecutor there was uh, she was talking about or has been talking about uh, more indictments. There's a lot of talk that uh, that there's a, a, another indictment coming out uh, for, against Trump for uh, a federal one on uh, January 6th. What what is your sense at this point of of I mean at the, by now you have a you Mike Davis have a pretty good handle on who these people are that are doing this meaning the world of lawyers who are a uh, play at this level is relatively limited you know and you know who they are you know what they're doing you can recognize what are they you know what do we, what do you expect next are we just going to see another indictment in Georgia and then another indictment for January 6th and they're just going to uh, have the talking point be Trump's under indictment everywhere make him waste his time and money on all that hope that one of these damages him some way what, what do you think this is going or is anything changing the trajectory the sort of grinding trajectory of these people well it's the same thing that we've been saying since august ed which is this is lawfare by biden and garland and these democrat da's uh this they fear that they cannot beat trump in the next election so they simply are indicting him and the problem is is this is backfiring on the democrats where we had alvin bragg up in new york this soros funded manhattan da who brought in Matthew Colangelo right. from Biden Justice Department, and they uh, they <clears throat> resurrected that zombie case against Trump, this bogus legal theory that Trump settling a nuisance claim as a businessman is somehow a federal campaign finance felony, which is just nonsensical. This theory was passed passed over by the prior Manhattan DA, the Manhattan U.S. Attorney, the Federal Election Commission. And Alvin Bragg himself. And then Bragg took heat from the left. Matthew Colangelo got sent from the Biden Justice Department and they brought the indictment against Trump back in April. And now we have Jack Smith bringing this bogus indictment against Trump. Uh, Garland and Jack Smith bringing this bogus indictment against Trump for a former president having his presidential records in the office of former president, which he's allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act. And so that's part of it. The next one, like you said, Ed, the next part of this lawfare are both Fannie Willis, another Democrat DA in Fulton County, Georgia, and Jack Smith, another 
Democrat operative who gets overturned unanimously by the Supreme Court is going to bring the, this, these bogus charges against Trump for January 6th. And this is what I would say about January 6th. Regardless of what you think about the advocacy on January 6th, it was a legal protest. There was a uh, permit by the National Park Service. There, uh, the the uh, objecting to a presidential election was permitted by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It's also permitted by the First Amendment. Even if you think they're crazy, even if you think they're wrong, they have a statutory and First Amendment right to object. And the first, they had a First Amendment right to protest. They had a National Park Service permit to protest. It was a protest that got out of control and turned into a riot. It was not an insurrection. How many insurrectionists get to a Senate floor of a nation's capital and take selfies and don't burn the damn place down? And so this is all part of lawfare. If you're saying that that was an insurrection and everyone should be charged, how come they haven't charged all the people who encouraged and participated in the BLM protest around the country? Right, exactly. A lot more damaging than January 6th. Yep. All right, Mike Davis, as always, uh, filling in the blanks. Uh, you need to follow him on Twitter and uh, follow him on TV. He's on all over the place right now. Thanks, Mike. As always, uh, I'll put up on social media a link to a couple of his recent tweets on some of this. We will take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, really great uh, interview. I'm excited uh, to visit. Uh, Evan Neerman is with us, and he's an author. That, he, that What caught my attention, one of his folks sent me uh, an email and said, hey, have you seen this? His book is called The Cancel Culture Curse, From Rage to Redemption in a World Gone Mad. His co-author is Mark Sachs. And uh, perfect timing. Um, last week, um, Evan, we were. I was at an event, and uh, Mike Lindell came there, and I when I was emailing back and forth with one of your team, I was saying, can I talk to Evan about how people survive the cancel culture and whether they thrive or not? It's a different debate, but we could talk. We'll talk about what that means. Uh, but first of all, uh, welcome uh, to the program. Congratulations on the book. The book, again, is The Cancel Culture and CancelCulture.com. You can find out more. Welcome, Evan. How are you? Um Excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to getting into this discussion. It's a you're welcome. important for, topic. Yeah, first, well, you're welcome. First, the cancel culture curse um, is the book. It, I thought we had peaked on this. I thought we'd started to mellow. You know, I thought they'd been embarrassed by what they did to the Covington kid, the Catholic kid from Covington and all these things. But it, it doesn't seem to. I, I realize it was maybe just they were on vacation and they're back. I, are you seeing any sign that the cancel culture is slowing? No, not yet, unfortunately. And if anything, it's it's going strong. And in some ways, it's really increasing. Now, that being said, I am seeing, though, some indications that there are folks out there who recognize what an insidious threat this is, and people are willing to speak out against it. And I do think there's a shift taking place in organizations, which are not necessarily bowing to the the Twitter mob, the cancel vultures with the same speed that they used to. But I, I really believe we've got a long way to go. This is a huge problem. People needed to understand what it is and what it's yeah. about, which is why I set out to write this book. And, and I wanted people to understand that 
it's not just celebrities and politicians who have to grapple with this. Literally every single one of us is at risk. Uh, Evan Neerman is our guest. His book is uh, The Cancel Culture Curse, um, cancelculture.com. You can see more about it. Um, and in your background, Evan, we were uh, talking about, I was looking at the, my notes, uh, in crisis PR. So dealing with these crises. Let me do one example. Mike Lindell, and, and maybe I'll extend it to Fox, uh, Fox News Channel uh, in this sense. When he gets canceled, and he got canceled for, I, I don't know, in a weird way for lots of things, but ultimately people try to cancel him for, I guess, his advocacy uh, regarding the 2020 election, but then lump Tucker Carl. And, and the reason I'm thinking of him is he keeps selling his products and building his business, but he's really, he's, he's, I don't know if he's stuck, but he's limited to Fox and to social media. He's not, I don't think CNN would run his ad, right? Even if he paid. Yeah, I suspect they would not. I think that's accurate. And so what's the what's the reality of uh, do we just stay to our tribe, find your tribe and stick with it? I mean, can you sell a widget to everybody if you happen to be a conservative Christian? Well, the issue that we have now is we are in a fractured and divided society, as you and your listeners well understand. And so anytime you make the decision that you're going to take a position and be on one side or the other, especially on hot button political debates, mm-hmm. you have to know and expect that some people are going to be with you. And then there's going to be a critical mass of people who are reflexively against you. And I think it's it's less surprising to see someone like Mike Lindell running into a case where there's a lot of people who don't want to let him run his ads, don't want to support him or be seen as supporting his product by giving him a platform. But I think what's really scary is there there are lots of businesses out there that are not overtly political. They're not choosing sides, but then they get thrown into this. Now, on the opposite of the side of the of the equation, you can wind up with companies like Ben and Jerry's, which step headlong into the debate and then prompt people to want to boycott them or cancel them. But right. you know, without going too deep, I will say that there is a difference between a boycott as a tactic and Mm -hmm. cancellation and they're two separate things they're related but they're not one okay okay so what do you do when you see a tucker carlson and again yeah with your background and we could talk about your book but also with your background in crisis pr when you see a tucker carlson effectively he was pushed out of fox it felt to me like he was they were trying to cancel him is that is that the same thing or is it or is it or or, oh let's go another one moms for uh moms for um what is it moms for liberty um they, they they had a one of their people put a hitler quote on on a thing and and they keep trying to uh, uh, how do you let's go there how do you define define the cancel culture what does it then mean it's not yeah. a boycott it's not just being unpleasant it's actually canceling someone tell me that explain that yes so let me let me give you this i'm going to give you the quick and dirty definition and then yep. i'm going to walk you through the elements that we okay. were able to determine actually comprise cancel culture. So first is, you know, what is this definition? Everyone talks about it. On the right, there's a tendency to call a lot of things cancel culture. On the left, there's a tendency to claim that cancel culture doesn't exist and that it's just this made up thing, which is not the case. But the, the definition we use in the book is the use of intimidation by a morally absolute coalition to isolate and disproportionately punish an alleged hmm. transgressor. Okay. Okay. Yep. So All there's right. really there's really six elements, and this is based on research into political witch hunts 
and also our own experience in working with victims of cancel culture. You can remember this with the acronym CONDEM, C-A-N-D-E-M. These are the elements. If you want to know if a situation meets meets the qualification for cancel culture, run it through the CONDEM framework. C, it's a crime committed against a collective. It's not just a one-to-one. It's you've, you've, you've been seen as transgressing a collective, whether that's a based on sexual orientation, race, gender, et cetera. The A is that the incident arises and accelerates quickly. The mm-hmm. N is that the nature of the offense is minor or fabricated. D, it prompts a disproportionate response. E, everyone is afraid to defend the accused and M, moral absolutism by the people doing the canceling. Hmm. Okay. So um, what if you, I mean, is it best to avoid it or is it best to know what's happening and kind of go through it? I mean, you mentioned that we're a fractured society. You know, you can't be who you're not going to be. You can't be, uh, my, my listeners get tired of me quoting the, the essay, The Power of the Powerlessness from, uh, A Power of the Powerless from the 1970s behind the Soviet uh, curtain, the Iron Curtain. The the idea was that people just don't speak up. They slow, they self-censor themselves. Is In the cancel mm-hmm. culture, is that the, is that a path, a path? Well, the problem is cancel culture is fundamentally un-American. The things that we cherish most in this country or once did, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of expression, the ability for people to debate ideas and open society, also the concept of due process, all of that gets torn up and thrown out the window with cancel culture. And so we're in a society right now where people are having to self-censor. And on campuses, you see this manifesting itself over and again. And that's actually where cancel culture started before it expanded beyond the the quads of the campuses and beyond the the ivy-covered walls into every other aspect of our society. But there were so many instances where professors, especially ones who were right of center, having to self-censor and then finding themselves under attack, under assault, even losing their jobs for being willing to express an opinion which ran counter to that which was sort of the orthodoxy of the institution or some of the students. Mm. That's a scary thing. That's not an America that we can recognize. That is not who we are about. That is a the self-censoring that has to occur with cancel culture is antithetical to American yeah. values. And, it, and that's a problem. Yeah, it sure is. Evan, I'm sorry. I'm out of time. I, Evan Anirman is, uh, was our guest here today. The, the cancel culture curse from rage to redemption in a world, in a world gone mad. Um, uh, lots of insights, practical things. I think, um, one of the things we didn't get into, we could do another, another time. Maybe I'll have you back is, uh, kids and cancel culture and how kids are being, uh, buffeted by it. Um, uh, it's a big problem, both in terms of how they're treated, but also how, um, they are reacting, uh, you know, and maybe participating. It's, uh, there's a lot there. Cancel culture.com is his uh, is the website for the book uh, and I should say uh, uh, the, the 12th of July is National Cancel Culture Awareness Day getting the word out about exactly what this is is important naming the problem is hugely important so uh, thanks again Evan we will put it up on social media I've got to run and we'll take a quick break and be right back it's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report back in a moment this is the Phyllis Schlafly Report presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. 
The late Kitty Worthman was among the best and the brightest in the modern conservative movement. She was a trusted friend and confidant of Phyllis Schlafly, but Kitty was also a powerful voice in her own right. As a survivor of Nazi-controlled Austria, Kitty had a first-hand account of what detrimental effects befall a society that's ravaged by socialism. Although Kitty passed away one year ago today, her passionate warnings still ring in my ears. One of the most striking things Kitty would say as she would describe growing up in Hitler's Austria was how the government would work so hard to turn citizens against one another. Neighbors would be encouraged to turn in their neighbors, and even children would be told by their teachers to report on their parents if their parents should question the authority of the socialist regime in the privacy of their own homes. Clearly, the Nazis understood that the best way to keep a population controlled was to keep them isolated and afraid of one another. While Kitty was always so eager to share her testimony, she made clear that she wasn't just telling stories for the sake of telling stories. She would plead with audiences, and especially young audiences, to watch for their government to start going down the same road as Austria. Tyranny did not take hold of Austria in a day, nor did Kitty expect for an overnight change here in America either. Recent action by California Governor Gavin Newsom would surely have drawn Kitty's attention. He announced the launch of a new hotline for Californians to report on other Californians for committing hate acts which he loosely defined to include even derogatory name-calling. Lest you think that this would not apply to you because you don't make a habit of name-calling, remember that under the current leftist dogma, even calling someone by the correct pronoun might be considered a grave offense. Clearly, this new hotline represents a choice by the Newsom administration to go down a dark path. Conservatives would do well to remember the passionate warnings of my friend Kitty Worthman and fight off these attempts to isolate and divide the American people. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The false promise of socialism is an illusion. It devalues hard work and creativity. It's the opposite of the American dream. As proven around the world, socialism breaks the human spirit. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're standing against the rise of socialism. For more, go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back here to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Hike going to wrap up the show. Uh, man, what a great uh, what a great show there, actually, today. I, I'm, I'm excited. We had a couple of good guests um, hearing again from Evan Nearman and Mike Davis, um, two of our uh, two of our recent uh, favorite topics that we've uh, been able to hit on. I'm glad we were able to do those today and uh, Ed was able to have them on. Uh, check it out. Uh, Evan Nearman's book, The Cancel Culture Curse, From Rage to Redemption in a World Gone Mad. And then also, of course, Mike Davis and his work with the Article 3 Project. Also, uh, the Internet Accountability Project. There's some incredible stuff there uh, that you should take a look at. So glad they were on. Also, uh, we had a good discussion here at the beginning, uh, the What You Need to Know, talking about the tide, the woke tide is turning in America. And uh, that's where I wanted to bring it down here to at the very end. Let's wrap this up. Let me let me give you a What You Need to Do. Um, we have talked 
a pretty fair amount here the last several weeks as Tucker broke off from uh, Fox News or fired I was fired I should say Tucker has gone his own way onto Twitter and uh, a lot of other things have happened we have talked about the truth tellers how important it is to have people like James O'Keefe like uh, Tucker Carlson who are telling the truth and telling it loudly and I tell you what that is something that is absolutely essential uh, moving forward. So here's, here's what we need to do. We must speak the truth and be bold in the speaking of that truth. We have to talk about it everywhere. We have to talk about it with people um, who we may not think are on our side because, as we've just talked about here at the, at the beginning and the what you need to know, the, the tide is changing. I think that people are ready and ripe to hear this information now, and we need to absolutely be ready with answers, with discussions, to bring them alongside the right way of thinking on a lot of these issues. So, as uh, people unplug from the Matrix, <laughs> I can't think of a better analogy for where we are, as they stop watching CNN, modern media, and actually start to realize some of the things that are happening, we need to be there ready with answers, with places to point them, with discussions, to get them going in the right direction, to understand objective truth on all of these issues. So, um, I hope that you will join me in doing that. We must be bold, and we must speak the truth. Even if we don't have the big megaphone that Tucker Carlson does, even if we don't have the apparatus of volunteers like um, James O'Keefe does, you and I can still have an incredibly important part of this truth-telling by our, uh, speaking to our friends and family, our coworkers, anyone inside our sphere of influence, we need to be bold. Because I tell you what, I think that a lot of people out there feel lost and alone, that they're the only ones who feel like this uh, issue in front of them, the transing of kids and all these different things. I, I think there are, honestly, a lot of people who stay silent because they feel like they're the only ones. They feel like no one else really agrees completely with them or they don't know how to find someone else that agrees. They don't know how to articulate what it is that they believe or why they think it's a problem. I think that that is, is honestly the case. And we need to be bold in constantly talking about these issues. We need to be um, uh, constant uh, and uh, tireless in our pursuit of all of these things that matter so very much because we are going to find more and more people flocking to our side, accumulating uh, to our position, and I think we need to be ready for it. So we talked about that again today. I'm going I'm to shamelessly plug one more time our unauthorized caucus live stream that goes every Thursday at noon at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles video channels, YouTube and Rumble. We went into this a little bit more in depth, but I really think especially that um, I, I have this opinion that the younger generation coming up is uh, just not going to buy that looks like they're not buying hook, line, and sinker, the stuff they're being told uh, by legacy media. And I'll even throw in big tech into legacy media now. The powers that be that are handing down the approved lines, the approved agendas, the approved talking points, I think that even as more and more young people come into this equation and start paying attention to the world outside of their devices and outside of their student lives that they've lived up till this point, I think that we're going to find an even bigger audience that is listening and they have the ears to hear the truth about these cultural situations we're dealing with, about our global situations, our um, everything uh, from the top down, politics, culture, um, family, uh, all of, uh, you know, economic everything. I think that we have an audience coming. So 
you and I have to be bold. We have to support the truth tellers with the big microphones. We need to be listening to what it is that people like Tucker, James O'Keefe uh, are saying and sharing that. We need to be saying it ourselves. We need to be fearless in it because uh, the time is coming when that's going to be incredibly important uh, that you and I will have done our job. And besides, um, is it the right thing to do? Yes, then we should do it. It doesn't matter if we feel like we have the biggest uh, reach, the biggest effect, like we're the best ones uh, to speak this issue uh, or to make this argument, it is still up to you and I to fulfill our duty as Americans, uh, to fulfill our duty as members of society, to speak the truth, to be honest with people, and to uh, really let people around us know what's happening. Because again, like, like we talked about in the first segment, a big tide is turning. Uh, people are sick of it. They're done. Uh, the left has gone too far for too long on uh, some of these absolutely radical issues, and I think that it's I think that it's high time that the moral t- uh, the tide of moral relativism was turned on its ear, and I hope that you will join me in being a part of that. That's what you need to do. Speak the truth. Speak it boldly, uh, no matter the size of your reach. So, uh, that's it. We're going to leave it here for the Pro-America Report today. I appreciate you joining me, uh, letting me uh, guest host here in Ed's stead for our uh, at least our What You Need to Know and our What You Need to Do, and we still got to hear from Ed and a couple of great guests here in the middle. So I will take the last opportunity to uh, point you to ProAmericaReport.com. Head over there, find all of the podcasts, all of the standalones. Uh, I'll challenge you today. Grab these uh, links. Grab the standalone link for What You Need to Know and What You Need to Do. Send it to a friend. Ask them to join you in starting to have these conversations and being bold and talking to other people about them. Uh, Go sign up for the email list. We will send you great resources every day, I promise, at least every weekday. And then don't forget to come right back here for more on the Pro-America Report. Thank you to Ed for leading this show, being a great host, a great interviewer. Thank you to Noah Dingley uh, for keeping us uh, going, keeping uh, all the trains on the tracks, as Ed says, and getting us running on time here at Salem, San Diego. And thank you uh, to you for listening. We will look forward to seeing you right back here tomorrow on the Pro-America Report. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.